Hello and welcome to the Stoked on Spokes Podcast. 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 Wait, like SOS? Well, it's about fight. Ride, gear, races, community, and so much more. My name is Curtis White. My name is Magalie Rochette. My name is Stephen Hyde. I'm Caroline Menus. I'm Gage Heck. I am Anna McGeeley. This is the Stoked on Spokes Podcast. Let's get rolling. Hello and welcome to the 54th episode of the Stoked on Spokes podcast. Today I'm joined by professional racers Scott Funston and Scott McGill Jr. Gentlemen, how are you doing today? Good. I'm doing well. It's a good day. Yeah, Funston's skiing, you said, right? Last night, going for snowboard. Nice nice lunch break right now. So, gentlemen, can you please introduce yourself and give me your bicycle background? I'll go, I'll go first. Yeah, my name is Scott McGill. My bicycle background. Currently, I'm riding for a team called Human Powered Health which is a, uh, I guess it's a like a pro-continental road team. It's an American team, but it's largely European calendar now. So I'm living in Girona, Spain. Yeah, I have experience in a lot of different disciplines of, of cycling, like mountain biking and cyclocross. Yeah, I've been doing it since I was like, I don't know, probably like nine or 10 years old. I started racing mountain bikes and slowly progressed to where I am now. So I'm Sticks, Scott Funston. I got into bikes through my dad. He raced and rode a little bit. Started racing BMX about the age of six and then did did the kid cyclocross mountain bike races starting when I was eight or nine and then slowly transitioned to like full-time mountain bike and cross around the age of 11 or so. And I've been doing it pretty much ever since. And in my first year of professional racing, this year after graduating from college with the the blue competition team that's pretty much it cyclocross a little bit of gravel a little bit of mountain in the in the summertime but cyclocross is my thing do you guys remember the first time you met i think the first time we officially met was scott picked me up from the the baltimore airport he him and eric were driving and they picked me up from the from the airport when i flew in or something like that yeah that was that was pretty much it pretty much through um eric yeah. Yeah. So me and Eric were teammates on a team called Avolo Cycling. And that's kind of how we met. Wait, Eric was on it too? Because I thought it was at least you and Gage, right? Gage was also on the team. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Eric was on the team. Nice. Yeah. So how has this friendship developed over the years since, I guess? Started hanging out at the races, I guess. This year, we kind of, I guess, travel a lot more together. And I was kind of like mooching off their team the whole like cross season. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that's pretty much it, pretty much it. And sticks, do you have any that anything to add to that? Yeah, I think this year we spent a lot of time at at Scott's house. We, we stopped by a couple times between races just to you know, conveniently located for for us Colorado, our Colorado based team to to stop by, and so that's kind of where we spent some time together and developed a friendship. I would say. Was this past season the first time you guys have been together when it comes to cross? Yes. Yeah, it was. We raced a little bit together in the previous year, but this was like the first time that Scott was hanging out at the blue tent and we were kind of under the same umbrella, like knew each other better than the previous year. And, and I was no longer U23, so I was like an elite. So we were kind of in the in the same races, at least the, the championship races. So how did this year, in your opinion, how was this past cyclocross season and what happened? I thought I had a, a decent year. I'm not entirely content with it. Started out not 
not where I wanted it to be. But I I gradually built momentum throughout the year and and nationals, my European results they were good showed showed promise for for the future. So yeah, there's you gotta take the positives, but it puts me in a good position to build on it next year. But there was there was definitely several things I wanted to, to improve on and wish would wish had gone better. The the world the U.S. World Cups were a pretty big letdown for me. So yeah, it was it had its ups and downs like most seasons, but I think it was a good step into the elites, and I look forward to to working on it next year. Yeah, I definitely I didn't do too many too many cross races. Maybe like eight, eight or ten, ten races throughout the season, and yeah, it was, it was, it was kind of mixed, I guess. <laughs> Definitely uh, just tried to to have as much fun as possible, and didn't really worry about the results too much. And then, you know, once I got the the contract with Human Powered Health, I started kind of focusing on that a little bit more and getting ready for for this year, rather than than the few cyclocross races that I did. It seems like this past season. Was there a strategy to help Eric? Was there a strategy to make sure that Curtis didn't win? How did that whole dynamic play out with you guys? I would say the only race there was really rad that that last race in the in the USCX series because you know that was that was for the series. But I mean, even the day before, it was just like we're racing hard. You know, we could have tried to play tactics that day too. But you know, it's cyclocross. We're not we're not trying to do the the tactic thing. But also, you know, if you can, you're gonna if it's beneficial, you know, we'll, we'll play that card. So I think then, and then, and then no ho, there was a little, little bit too. I remember on Sunday, letting a, letting a wheel go and then, and then making Curtis chase for a couple laps. So it, I'd say that was the only day there was definitely any sort of pre-race talk, you know, any sort of strategy. Or is it just, you guys didn't make a plan for the rest of the season? Just, you know, if you guys were around each other, you obviously helped each other, right? I think between us and Eric, being three of the top five or six guys in the u.s like we're all strong enough to ride for our own results in cross and so any planning and it was you know it would be it would be kind of boring to week in and week out race for eric or something like that you know it's it's fun to it's cyclocross you know you're racing for your own stuff and it's so unpredictable you know like some Scott was all over the map on the season he was (laughs) one race he'd be lighting it up and the next he'd have like four mechanicals in a lap or something. So it was, it was a bit interesting for sure. Even, even in, in cross in general, you could make a plan, like whatever, like you could try to make a plan, but there's way too many variables that it, I don't know if it, <laughs> if it ever really like works out like that. I mean, you can do, there's always small little things you can do by basically like not screwing your teammate over or, whatever like that's kind of the gist of it i think rather than having some elaborate plan that is too complicated to actually succeed yeah and like that that really rad race that we did the the plan was pretty rough you know it was the plan was to get someone up the road two to four laps in advance you know it's not like there was okay on the barriers on the sixth lap someone's gonna attack or something you know it was it was a rough game plan that that we ended up executing well but yeah, it's like like Scott said, there's so many so many variables, it's really hard to plan that. So obviously the season was more about just, you know, being together, course preview rides together, feedback, walking through each other's process on the race and th- that kind of supportive stuff then. Yeah, I think that's where you can gain the most from like having like a teammate in cross is more like in pre-ride and and like 
talking through the race with each other, even if you're in different categories, this can be beneficial rather than actually racing together, you know, but, but like, like you said, like you can kind of take opportunities in the race, but to make a plan is kind of difficult. Yeah, I agree. I, I really enjoy pre-riding with, with Eric and Scott and having those, those resources and just the team environment to be on the trainer with people at the same time and kind of amp each other up a little bit and yeah, it just helps you know you got you got people around you supporting you even if they're they are competition it, it is really helpful so let's talk about the whole blue competition team you guys probably have the biggest crew when it comes to cross races is that safe to say right now yeah it's uh it's pretty much the biggest i'd say when maybe when tilford and bear all get together a couple times a year that's that's comparable, but they're pretty much under the same tent. They're not even like staying in a house together like we are. So yeah, we roll with a, a big squad. I think we had ballpark of 14 people at, at Pan Ams and Nationals. So yeah, it's fun. It gets a it can be a lot sometimes, but you know, it's a, it's hard to make a, a dinner for 14 people in an Airbnb that has two pots and pans, but we make it happen. Scott, uh, Miguel, what's it like coming in as kind of like, you're kind of a guest writer, right? So how's that dynamic of you coming into this uh, crew? Yeah, I would call myself more of just like a mooch or something like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it was a good good environment to be with, kind of, it was positive. Like, there was just a bunch of misfits that came, like, they help out, they come together, and everyone, you know, kind of helps each other out. And it just, like, helps to uplift everyone in the under the tent. So I'm wondering who's the biggest goofball on the team then? Cause I've seen, I've been around Sonny for years. I've seen the, between the tape videos you guys did where, you know, Scott drops out of a bounce house, McGill's rocking the cap. Who's the most entertaining person on the blue competition? Grant for sure. Grant or I don't know if Max is an official team member still, but Max chance is, he's pretty funny dude to be around. He's, he's got some good heckles. I don't know. I think everyone brings something to the table. You know, it's a very group scene. We've got our we've got our jokes and stuff that that are pretty funny to us, at least. <laughs> what are your thoughts on, you know, obviously having a big women's squad also with Sonny, Mia and Cassie? I think the addition of the women's squad was was good this year to it's been it's been a U23 team a lot in the past. And so it was good to to continue that last season and the the three U23 women. Sonny's great. Sonny and Doug are great to have around camp, and hopefully we get get some of them next year, even if Sonny doesn't plan to race full time. Yeah, it's great to great to work with the Devo riders. I didn't, you know, work with them a ton. I tried to help where I could in pre-ride or whatnot. They were all pretty pretty self-sufficient, you know. They're they all were at a good level, and so they didn't need any any hand holding, that's for sure. So yeah, I thought it was fun. Brought a different dynamic to the team. Getting to, getting to know the those three. They were new to the team, so it took. It was cool to get the get to know the girls and add them in this year. You know, it, it took a few races to. They were kind of coming into an established team with with me, Grant, Eric, and Sonny. So it took them a couple races to kind of like get their groove and break out of their shell. But once they did, we had a had a great cohesive team i'd say yeah miguel what's, what's your thoughts on that yeah i think it's great to have a different different mix of people different ages different you know obviously different genders different categories too to kind of 
diversify the, the group a little bit and and to to you know like say say Eric and Scott can can take the the U23 girls out on a lap and, and try and show them a line it almost helps you like think of your own race as well when you know when you're when you're teaching somebody else something a new skill or a new line or something it also helps to to go through it in your head a little bit differently at least in my opinion and you, you know that can help help with your own race as well so I know we've been talking about Eric. Can you talk more about what it means to have Eric Bruner as a teammate? He's a, he's a good cook, that's for sure. He is. He's a good cook. I think me and Eric do a do a, a relatively good job at balancing each other out. We are we're not polar opposites, but we definitely approach things differently a lot of the time. And so, you know, I'm a little more laid back and he's not super super uptight but he just likes things a little more he likes things in order and stuff and sometimes i'm just kind of oh whatever i'm gonna go go send it so i think that balances each other out and yeah it's great to have the you know twice pan-american former national champion on the team you know he's got very for his how young he is he is very accomplished and so it's especially for me being in boulder we we have a lot of good training sessions together the the cycle cross stuff that we get to do especially like the lead up to nationals was really great working together on that so yeah i think i think we do a good job balancing each other out kind of bringing different perspectives to racing on some things and i i think it's a very beneficial relationship for us yeah yeah like i said he's a good cook (laughs) and he's definitely uh not not all out there for himself that's for sure he's always he's always looking to help whether you know even me who's like technically a competition or you know any any of the of the other guys on the team or, or girls on the team so yeah i mean he didn't have to add so many people to his team right he did it out of because he he wanted to help grow the sport or help develop you know some younger athletes so he could have just, you know, taken all the resources for for himself and maybe a few others, but he decided to to, you know, disperse the resources and and help to elevate the sport as a whole. I guess I might as well ask since we're kind of just hitting on the cyclocross season first. What's your future ambitions for cross? I mean, Funston, it's probably more of what you concentrate on in some ways. And Scott, you're obviously you're you're a roadie in a lot of ways. Don't think I'll be participating in any, any cross in the next next couple of years, but you know, you never know if I'll make a, make a comeback or not, but yeah, for the next couple of years, I'm definitely going to, going to focus on the road more and hopefully that will, will, uh, help to, I'll have more time to, to, you know, relax in the off season rather than traveling around and racing and, and training, training for cyclocross. Yeah. I hope to continue to focus on cross for, for at least several more years. I, I would love to win some jerseys, whether Pan American national championship in once or twice would be great. And then I really want to focus on, on European based cross continue turn, you know, some of the top thirties I've had in world cups, you know, start climbing the ranks into the top 20, top 15 and, and maybe someday. Yeah. If I could, if I could pull off top tens, that would be top tens in world cups or world championships would be, would be a dream. Uh, for me to to reach that that level, so that's what I kind of aspire to and cross at least. Miguel, what got you into being a professional cyclist? Why did you want to go to that pro level? I mean, obviously it was you know my my dream, I guess, from when I was a 
like, you know, nine or 10 years old. It's, you know, one of my favorite things to do is riding a bike. So I might as well try, try to make it my job and, and to make a, to make a living off of it is, you know, it's always good to, to, you know, make what you're passionate about your job as well. So, yeah, I wanted to just keep racing and, and, uh, you know, at a certain point, if you're not making any money, you'd have to, to, uh, just make a decision at some point, but now I, I don't have to make that decision for <laughs> hopefully a long time. Well, I, I did the UCI stuff as a junior, it's like in high school. And I was, I really liked that stuff. Did, uh, did both cyclocross and mountain bike world championships and wanted to race collegiately. So I continued into college at, at Colorado Mesa university racing for them. And while I was doing that, I was still doing, doing UCI stuff that was back when I was earlier on, I was doing smaller schedules, you know, just kind of focusing around nationals, like my freshman year there, freshman and sophomore year. And then, you know, senior year, I wanted to, to give it a, give it a good run. Worlds were in Fayetteville. So that was a major goal. And I got on blue, which is like the first time I'd been on a properly supported team before that had just been me and my dad doing things and i i don't know i had some some relatively solid results won both won like u23 nationals and had a couple top 10s and u23s in europe so i thought you know i was at a level that i could at least try and do it professionally and so when i graduated college i decided to pursue cycling you know working part-time to to make it happen but at least i would you know be able to continue riding rather than getting a full-time job and have the freedom that that allows me to to train race and travel to all the races it was huge when eric got his fourth place at the world cup this past year what does it mean for american cross and is it something you also aspire to eventually get to i think it was it was pretty big for for us cross to have to have a male at that level we've had females at that level for a while now and we've had multiple you know katie compton and now clara to have them at that level but yeah finally to have have a male breakthrough it means a lot to i think it shows the the level in us cross right now i think some people i don't know i wouldn't say anyone says it's not at a not at a high level but i would argue that it's at one of the highest levels it's been in the last 10 15 years it, it shows that you know what where eric eric on a good day is comparable to you know it's apples and oranges but everyone talks about how great hyde and and jay Powell were at their peak but you know eric eric has a top five at a world cup now so yeah we it shows that we have the talent it's still here in the u.s even though other you know some of the industry and stuff is is moving away it there's still there's still a passion for it and we're still you know making incremental achievement i know the world championships in the united states was really hard it, we struggled at it this year but you know at least we have a result like that and some other results from from world cups that from other world cups that that we can point at as as progress you know and, and use it as motivation for next year McGill, did you have anything to add about Eric's fourth place? No, I wasn't there, but I know I was. I was watching it while I was driving. Probably dangerous, but 
I mean, I, I remember exactly where it was when it happened, so that's, that's pretty cool. What was your curse period in racing in Europe like this past year? My Europe trip was, it was good. It was not honestly what I intended when I went over there. I think my plan was to do eight to ten races, and I only ended up doing six. So it was definitely less racing that I'd intended to do. Kind of had a little little sickness, a little injury in the middle there, which wasn't wasn't ideal but the the i put together some some world cup results i started four world cups and i'd say like three of the four went really well for me so yeah i gotta i gotta be happy with it and i think that was the first time i'd raced several of those courses so just getting more experience on those courses makes it easier to go over there next year and yeah it's gonna be it's 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 a long process you know that's gonna take me another two three years i think to to find out what my potential is over there um i think i have the the skill set to succeed in europe i might be a few watts short at least right now but i think i do have the the skills that it that it requires so i want to continue you know next season maybe do two trips over there or something but continue to, to develop and explore racing in europe yeah so like it got me that kind of got me fired up for for next season and i think i think i proved like like i said it it was a continued progress from earlier in the season and and helped me prove like my potential over there well like you were saying winning u23 nationals you were pretty much in the in the battle for third during the entire nationals we had this past december at hartford so yeah that's pretty impressive for someone who's a first year uh, elite yeah I'm, I'm happy with that. My goal was a top three. So, you know, it's, it was like one of those things in, in the race after the race, I was, I was really satisfied with it. I, I went out there and, and honestly, I, uh, I raced, raced that race to win. And I was, I was in it for the first three or four of the, you know, for over half, over half the race, I was, I was in it to win it. So that was good. And then, yeah, I, I fell a little short of that third place goal. But yeah, it was a it was a good first season. Like I said, I, I I'm taking away positives like what I did at that nationals race for the first five of the seven laps. I rode I rode great. I made I made mistakes, but everyone made mistakes on that course. So yeah, I I'm taking away positives like that. And and like I said, I did I did a lot of things right in Europe. I I made mistakes, but everyone does too. So that's kind of kind of what I'm looking at for next year is just trying to keep the momentum rolling. You know, it's, it's hard to, you can't really go straight from, from all the way mid January to, to September, but you know, like try and write some things down and keep the mental notes to, to, to keep that, that forward progression that I had. And what was your thoughts on the USCX this year? Was it a good move forward to have more of a money purse and the way the series turned out? I mean, yeah, money, money and video coverage is awesome. I know my family loved it. I mean, I think in total, my my family probably got to ra- watch me race like 15 times this season. I mean, just a couple of years ago, they could watch nationals and that was about it. You know, there was eight USCX races. There's nationals. What are those? There was probably, I think there was 11 bike cyclocross races broadcasted in the U.S. when you count the World Cups. So compared to one just a few years ago or like a handful it's pretty good it's i think i think the coverage is key i i don't know what the the viewer statistics are on that but 
it'd be interesting to interesting to see for sure. Miguel, can you please talk about your uh, your road racing and what it's like to be a professional in Europe? Yeah, so I haven't uh, haven't actually raced yet yet this year. I've been dealing with a bit of a knee injury since I, I guess before Christmas. Kind of like a nagging injury that I've been able to train but haven't been able to really recover from it. So I'm trying to fix it now before I start start ra- racing this season. Living over here for about a month now, you know, enjoying it, even though I haven't been able to ride my bike as much as I would have liked, just trying to, to enjoy enjoy myself. It, it can be tough living over here for, from the stories I've told, but, you know, not many other jobs do you get to li- live in Europe and kind of like check out, check out a new country or, or a new city. So yeah, I've, I've enjoyed being over here so far this year. I'll probably be over here until nationals in june and then go home for for a little bit and then come back over for the rest of the season now what's your race schedule look like are you doing like tour of sicily are you doing any spring classic what does the team have you doing right now it's kind of up in the air because because my my injury is is so uncertain i guess i i had you know i had a a a pretty solid calendar lined out before you know at team camp but then when the when the knee flared up again we decided, you know, just don't, I'm not, I'm not worried about any races, just have to, to, to get the, the knee better and then, you know, start training again full, fully. And then, then I can worry about what races I'm going to do. So really, yeah, don't have any sort of race calendar at the moment. All right. Do you have any ambitions though, for the season though, when you're back to strength, I guess? Yeah. You know, my, my original goals have kind of just moved back, back in the season a little bit. You know, maybe this will give me give me a good chance to make a pretty good run at the Nationals, which is a, a really big goal for this team. You know, being one, one of the only American teams that actually has like a good number of American riders. So I'll, I'll have, you know, we'll have a few options for that race, obviously. Uh, so that that'll be a big goal for, for the end of, you know, that first the first block in Europe. But, yeah, that's pretty much it. I just kind of want to figure out my role in the team. Also, you know, my role in the lead out or, or what I still don't really know, you know, what races really suit me the best also. So kind of using this first year to figure all those things out a little bit. As a European continental racer, people generally obviously think of the big races, but what exactly kind of races does your team do? Yeah. So we do a lot of like a, the point one and, and pro series level races. We, we are, Invited to a few world tour races like this weekend is the opening weekend for the classics. And we're, you know, we'll have a, a, a team at, at both Omelope and, and Kern Brussels Kern. So th- those are, you know, big, big classics uh, that we were fortunate enough to get an invite to this year. Um, but being, you know, a second division team, you're not you're not guaranteed those invites to. To a, a lot of the world tour races and even even maybe some of the pro series races, you're not really guaranteed an invite so a lot of those like point one and pro series races are are kind of the bread and butter of this team now how long have you been racing european continental uh this is my first year like kind of moving over here in past years i've just come come back and forth from the u.s for you know whether it was a few weeks or a few months at a time so was that so before this year? Were you doing a lot more U.S. based uh, national stuff, such as I don't know, I forget what's been going on, like Tour of Utah. I don't know if Tour of California has still been going on. Um, no, Tour of Utah and Tour of California are both not. They don't. They haven't happened in the last few years. Last year, we did kind of a mix. 
uh, some of the bigger races we did were like Tour of Antalya, Tour of Rwanda, Tour of Turkey, Tour of Portugal, Tour of Romania. So like those are all point one. Turkey's a pro series race. So that, that and I was on a continental team last year called Wildlife Generation. So that was a, a really good calendar for a, a team, a small team like that. And then we we kind of mixed in some American races. Like we did a few crit weekends. We did Joe Martin nationals. So that was a a pretty good calendar for a continental level team. But obviously this team's a little bit of a step up. So the calendar is almost solely European based. So we have to be over here full time and just live, living over here and trying to make a home of it over here seems to be the 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 key to success so what other americans do you have on your team then if it's mainly american a few guys are gage hecht stephen bassett Corey greenberg colin joyce who else i think there's like six americans i might be missing somebody and then there's also like five or six canadians as well so I was talking to Gage Hack last year on this podcast, and he was talking about obviously his reason to focus more on road. Is that something you see yourself doing also with this team as a commitment? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. I mean, yeah, you have to focus more on the road, and I think I think that will also be better for me <laughs> in the, in the long run. I don't know how many more years I could try to dabble in, uh, without taking like you know a significant break from mostly mostly the travel and the it's not necessarily like the racing because i like do you know i like doing the races i like racing it's more more like the travel and the the like constantly trying to stay fit the whole year (laughs) more than anything now when it comes to overall goals what's your goals for okay so what are your future ambitions then really for road since that's the thing you're focusing on i'd like to have a a long career so longevity in the in the sport so i don't really have any any specific goals especially because this kind of level is so new to me you know i'd like to i'd like to win some races winning nationals is probably one of the biggest goals at some point in my career the road race is there anything else you do besides i mean do you see yourself mainly just you're, so you're going to stick with that. So Funston, is there anything that you do besides cross? Do you dabble in gravel mountain bike anymore? Yeah. So this next year I'm going to do some gravel races, but, and it looks like the, the endurance mountain bike schedule is actually going to be a big part of my schedule. I'm going to do like the newly formed single track series, or I hope to, um, I didn't get into one of the races, so I got to send some emails to get that figured out, but yeah, do that. I don't know. I don't know if lifetimes on the on the docket for me. It was something I was interested in, but they've they've since added the wild card event and basically three of the basically half the series is during cross season and that's at least right now I'd like to really continue pursuing international level cycle cross. And so that's something that that would be hard for me to balance. So yeah, I'd, I don't know. I like the I'm gonna try some of the bigger gravel races I've never done. Like any of the big noteworthy ones i've done gravel races in colorado and i actually quite like those i think in general they're they're a lot more rugged and and technical and and a lot climbier than than some of them you know your uh unbound or 
I don't know, BWRs, people are riding like road bikes with big tires on, so a little different. So yeah, that's kind of what I have planned for the summer. We got some new sponsors coming on to the team that that I'm excited about that are that are helping support us through through that kind of those new, newer disciplines to the team, which it's exciting. We got some good stuff. So are you racing gravel as still on blue competition or how's that go? Uh, we'll be on a, on a new bike brand. Not sure I can say yet. It, it, we'll probably release it in, in, in mid, mid-March will be kind of when, when things get, get announced. That's when we're gearing up to do team camp and start our season there. But yeah, we've, we've had a great couple years with Blue, but yeah, we're going to move on to a, a different brand. So yeah, it'll be, I'm excited for it. I'm excited to try some new things, have some new, you know, have another level, kind of additional support over previous years. Yeah, because I, I think I saw that Eric made Lifetime, right? Yes, Eric made Lifetime. So I'll still be doing a lot of the events I'm going to be at. Um, sea Otter, Crusher. I am only going to do the 100 at Unbound. I don't know, I think that's a little more in more in my wheelhouse. The, the 200, I could have done it, but I don't know. Those last three to four hours don't, don't seem very entertaining to me. And it's just not, not part of my power profile, at least yet. Need a another twenty, thirty thousand miles in the legs, probably for that. Now, McGill, I was wondering. Like I said, I I didn't listen to the Bonk Bros podcast before Nationals. I have caught up. I am very impressed, and not like I want to say it, but do you feel what's your role on the Bonk Bros show? Because in my opinion, I think it's best when you're talking and giving your opinion. <laughs> I don't think I have a role at all. I don't know if anybody has a role. I think it's just, yeah, just go on there and talk some shit. It's pretty much it. I will say it's probably the most unserious cycling podcast I've listened to in a long, long time. Good. Good. I mean, is that the goal of it for the most part? You guys just hanging out and talking shit? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there is a goal. It's just, yeah. Just, you know, yeah, pretty much just talking shit to each other, making fun of Dylan. That's my goal. (laughs) I mean, I will... I will say Dylan, I think, is a little dry. So obviously when Drew's on or you are on or Tyler's on, it's good to have a little bit of more context, I guess, and entertainment. I'm just being yeah. honest. But Yeah, I haven't listened to much, but it is it is a different it is a mix up from, from your average podcast. It's uh it's good. <laughs> Especially you, Scott. You're <laughs> Yeah, I just really? I just feel like I I need more from Scott uh, from the Bonk Bros podcast. I feel like you kind of just you need to open up more, at least in my opinion. Should I just record myself talking and post it on the internet? Or that. <laughs> so Miguel, I was wondering, what's with your fashion choice? Obviously I've seen I I've seen videos of you rocking this this French kind of hat. Is that just your classy how your classy you are? No, that was that was supposed to be a joke that like maybe five people would understand. <laughs> well, I mean, it still had the tag on it, yeah. right? I believe I had the tag. The tag. On yeah, the tag. that's because I, I returned it. Got my got my money back. I've actually got a funny story about that. So I was in Europe with Steve Tilford. I don't. I, don't, I guess Scott didn't explain the joke. We were. He was making fun of Curtis because Curtis wore that hat in one of like he did like a course preview or something, and he had that hat on, and everyone was like, "What is what is this hat?" But I traveled with Curtis in Europe, and I got to my, my airport hotel in Frankfurt, 
and they dropped me off on their way up to Worlds. And I opened up like one of my bike cases and somehow Curtis's hat had ended up in my bike case. And I almost brought it home, but I, I just decided to throw it out. So that, that was kind of funny. That was kind of funny realization. He threw out his hat. Yeah. So sorry, Curtis, if you ever listen to this, but I don't know if you will. I did throw his hat out that somehow ended up in my bike case. I don't know how that happened, but it did. You know, it's funny. I saw my uh, friend Tony Seiler put up something on Instagram a couple days ago asking, uh, do you have any questions for Curtis at the, for this end of the season? And I asked, is Curtis now America's favorite cross racer because he's the national champion? Or is it honestly Kerry Warner because people watch him the most? I don't know. I don't know. Is Kerry a cross racer? I don't know anymore. That's, that's something you'd have to ask Kerry. Nah, he's probably a cross racer. I mean, the scene at the finish line probably would at nationals would, would tell you enough. There's a lot of people. There was there was there's a hundred plus people that jumped the fence and were mobbing Curtis. So it's a pretty strong argument for him being the people's choice or whatever you want whatever title you want to give him. I talked to Sonny at Nationals and we talked a little bit afterwards about her, her custom Jackaroo jersey. What do you think about it? And is it something that you kind of see yourselves going a little bit more that way or staying just basic i mean the red plaid was pretty cool yeah that was a clean jersey wish we would have seen that more i think because she didn't race much single speed like she was going to race states we would have seen it there but then she got sick so i think we really only saw it like at nationals or something i thought it was a really cool kit i don't have a national championship jersey so i don't i don't get anything fancy like that yeah i don't know i thought it was a great kit i was i was impressed after nationals were over I hosted an, a podcast episode of Tyler Cloutier's retirement. We brought Kerry on and we basically asked him, does he feel complete now that he's the single speed national champion? Maybe, Scott, you need to take that from him. I've never done a single speed cross race. I have no clue if it suits my abilities or not. I'm not sure I have the, the souffle for that, as they would say. I don't know, though. It would be something I'm interested in. If the schedule was a little different, you know, if it wasn't, I don't know. There was There was talk. There was talk. I know, I know Lance Hedette came over to the camp like before the school speed race and he was talking to me and Eric and we were like, maybe we just have a, a gentleman's agreement. We're all going to race single speed, you know, so everyone's on a level playing field the next day. But I don't know, winning, winning nationals is a big, big deal. You know, mm-hmm. people, people base entire seasons around that. I know like Curtis did that this year, like that was the goal and it panned out for him and yeah, I mean, for, for someone like Curtis, that's probably a, a career-defining victory. So, yeah, it's it's a bit hard to, to maybe make that all happen. I don't know if there was – and, you know, it's an additional bike you have to bring. But it would be fun to – I don't know. I, I foresee maybe if you got $20,000 cash purse so everyone showed up and, we all, and it was a single-speed race, you know, not a UCI race, that could be fun. But – that's just one of my crazy ideas. Well, I don't know if that. you need to bring another bike because I believe Sonny was saying that uh, Dougie Fresh basically was uh, making her a, a pit bike uh, the day before single speeds. I mean, it's just a, a little bit of a conversion over. That's true. You, you could, yes, maybe you don't have to bring a whole other bike, but a conversion at least. McGill, is that something you'd ever do, single speed? Yeah, maybe that'll be my my one cross race next year is I'll do the single speed. Okay. Do the worlds, I guess. Is that a, is that a thing still? Yeah, I think it's. It might be Denver. No, it's in Santa Cruz. Yeah, it's in Santa Cruz. Actually. Oh, that's that'd like be a bit. Possible place from where I live. So, 
Yeah. <laughs> I think it is safe to say that it feels like the people who do race single speed are the people who might not have the confidence that they can compete at nationals. Nothing against Kerry and Tobin, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what goes goes into that. I've never talked to Kerry about it, but you know that that was probably for him. Like, I mean, obviously he got a national championship out of it, so it was successful. But it almost seems like one of those things you can, you know, it's a it's another YouTube video he can make. You know, he. Uh, it's a, it's a way to create content and create some hype. So what are your thoughts on this year's Nationals in Louisville? What is it going to be like in your opinion? I mean, obviously, you, do you want another mutter at, at Joe Creason? I would uh, I would take a mutter. Yeah, I think one of the things I did wrong this year was I wasn't on top of my running during the season. And I think that, that cost me at Nationals and, and a couple of the European races. So try and fix that for next year. And yeah, I mean, if Joe Creason's a mutter, then it's... Uh, it's gonna be crazy. Yeah, I don't know. My my take is if it's dry, it's gonna be really hard to beat Eric. It's a lot of hills. Eric's a, a relatively light dude. He's got he's got watts, so that'd be be a challenge. But if it's a mutter, it's just kind of a slog like it was like it was last time. So yeah, I don't know. I'm honestly a an Eva Bandman fan. I liked that course, but I understand the the logistics for nationals is a lot different than than just a normal UCI race. And so Joe's Creason's got a little more infrastructure and stuff. But yeah, Louisville's a fun place. Look forward to going back. And I mean, it'll be it'll be one of the targets next year. That's for sure. You going to come down, Scott? Probably not. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe McGill will post his uh, his gear ratio and uh, get some crap talk with uh, Kerry. And I think you could take him, McGill. I'll do something. So, gentlemen, we've talked for a decent amount. I really do appreciate the conversation. I know it's uh, it's been an interesting episode. But what is currently getting you stoked on bicycles? Getting back to riding my bicycle. Hopefully soon. That would be nice. Let's see. Currently, I'm home in Washington, normally Boulder-based. So, hitting up the old all the old routes from high school. That's getting me stoked. The the endurance mountain bike stuff this summer has me excited. Just signed up for, for Downeyville the other night. So never done that before, but heard good things. And I think it's an event format that, that will suit me well. So that kind of stuff's got me excited. Like I said, team's going to bring some new sponsors on this year. So that's got me. I'm going to get paid. Not a lot of money. I'm going to get paid. That's, that's exciting for me. That hasn't happened yet. So yeah, I don't know. I got some things, some things in the works got me excited. Miguel, I'm a little shocked. You literally turned the light off, it looks like. Because, like, someone just came in, and then we saw a little bit of a flash of a silhouette of you, so... Yeah, that was that was my girlfriend. She was coming in to grab something. Okay, maybe this makes sense why Scott doesn't talk much during the Bonk Bros podcast. Are you just naturally a shy person who likes to hide away? I, I don't. I wouldn't say I'm a shy person. No, I don't know. I thought he was literally like he wasn't making up that it was dark, but now it's <laughs> on purpose. So good to know. All right, well, gentlemen, thank you for joining me today. Do you have any last words? I w- I don't have much. Yeah, thanks for having us. Right. Sorry, I think I cut you off there, Scott. No, I'm I'm good. I don't have Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Stoked on Spokes podcast. If you enjoyed it, please like, subscribe, rate us, and tell your friends about it. Check out our Patreon page where you can get a lot more bonus content, all full unedited videos, all after banter where things get crazy sometimes, and early previews for the next episode. It's all available for only $3 a month. And follow our Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on all the things we are working on. Until next time, just keep rolling.